him in the church, but I got saved when I was 18, amen. Uh, my pastor actually prayed with me at the hospital when I got saved, and ever since then, he's been my pastor. It's a privilege for him to come and, and minister, not just one service, but actually a revival. And so we're so blessed to have him. So let's give Pastor Ruby a hand as he comes. Hallelujah. It's a great um, uh, honor to be here again. Good to see all of you and the brethren from the area uh, supporting this revival. There's a great spirit here, and we're going to believe God. I want you to turn to the book of Exodus in chapter 7 uh, tonight and uh, try to uh, stay with me here. I want to uh, preach something that I think is very, very uh, practical. Exodus chapter 7. And the uh, inspiration or the, uh, what got me going in this direction a uh, number of years ago, Northern Illinois University, this university is just north of Chicago, they're in an auditorium uh, listening to a lecture when a young man comes from behind the backstage of this auditorium and he opens fire, killing five people, and then he killed himself. He was a shooter, and uh, we've become pretty familiar with this here in America. What caught my attention when I read about this is the shooter, he was a young man named Stephen Komarczyk, is that when this happened, there was uh, two different narratives that began to come out. Number one was that he was an honor student, and it was like, how could a kid that was doing so well in school commit such a horrible crime? And then another narrative came out, and that was that this young man had had a history of mental problems, that he had been in the military, he had been kicked out, he had had a job at a prison once and had been uh, fired, uh, and, uh, and uh, that he had a history of mental problems. They tracked down his girlfriend and tried to get a little insight. What happened? What made this young man snap? And she said these words that were in USA Today, she said that Stephen stopped taking his medication and became angry. And when I read that, I thought to myself how the world has changed. Stephen has stopped taking his medication and became angry. Now, it, that tells me two things tonight. Number one, there's a link between medication and extreme violent behavior and the second thing is that we are being told in today's world that medication prevents violent behavior rather than causes violent behavior. That, uh, you know, if it wasn't for meds, you would have a lot of people out of control. Meds are good, meds are necessary. Take away the meds and we're going to have serious problems. Now, I want to preach a sermon tonight on an area where we all live, whether it applies to you, I guarantee you it applies to some of your coworkers or your fellow students or even some family members. I want to talk to you about what I believe is modern-day witchcraft in our society that's working through drugs, and I'm particularly going to be talking about psychiatric drugs tonight. And I want you to see a parallel in the Bible in the book of Exodus chapter 7, beginning in verse 8. The Bible says the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron saying, when Pharaoh speaks to you saying, show a miracle for yourselves, then you shall say to Aaron, take your rod and cast it before Pharaoh and let it become a serpent. So Moses and Aaron went into Pharaoh and they did so just as the Lord commanded. And Aaron cast down his rod before Pharaoh and before his servants and it became a serpent. 
The Pharaoh also called the wise men, the sorcerers, or the magicians of Egypt. They also did in like manner with their enchantments. Every man threw down his rod, and they became serpents. But Aaron's rod swallowed up their rods. And Pharaoh's heart grew hard, and he did not heed them as the Lord had said. So the Lord said to Moses, Pharaoh's heart is hard, and he refuses to let the people go. Go to Pharaoh in the morning when he goes out to the water, and you shall stand by the river's bank to meet him. And the rod which was turned to a serpent you shall take in your hand. You shall say to him, the Lord God of the heavens has sent me to you, saying, let my people go, that they may serve me in the wilderness. But indeed, until now, you would not hear. Thus says the Lord, by this you shall know that I am the Lord. Behold, I will strike the waters which are in the river with the rod that is in my hand, and they shall be turned to blood. The fish that are in the river shall die, and the river shall stink. The Egyptians will loathe to drink the water of the river. The Lord spoke to Moses, say to Aaron, take your rod, stretch out your hand over the waters of Egypt, over their streams, their rivers, their ponds, over all their pools of water, that they may become blood, and there shall be blood throughout all the land of Egypt, both in buckets of wood and in pitchers of stone. Moses and Aaron did so just as the Lord commanded. He lifted up the rod, struck the waters that were in the river in the sight of Pharaoh, and in the sight of all his servants and all the waters that were in the river were turned to blood. The fish that were in the river died, the river stank, and the Egyptians could not drink the water of the river, so there was blood throughout all the land of Egypt. Look at verse 22. Then the magicians of Egypt did so with their enchantments. And Pharaoh's heart grew hard, and he did not heed them as the Lord had said. And Pharaoh turned and went into his house. Neither was his heart moved by this. Father, I pray tonight for the anointing of the Holy Ghost. I pray that anointing that breaks the yoke of oppression and bondage bring deliverance. A devil exposed is a devil defeated. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, I want to talk to you this evening about sorcery, and I want you to consider this passage of Scripture. Here are Moses and Aaron, and they're going before Pharaoh. And uh, as they're going before Pharaoh, God tells Moses, listen, when you talk to Pharaoh, he is going to ask for a sign. I want you to throw your staff on the ground uh, and it's going to turn into a serpent uh, because Pharaoh is not going to be impressed with words. Uh, he needs a demonstration. And I want you to know tonight that Christianity is more than a religion of words. Can you say amen? It is a religion of power. And the Bible says they went before Pharaoh. Uh, and sure enough, uh, they said, let my people go. And Pharaoh said, show me a sign. And Pharaoh takes the, or Moses takes the rod, throws it on the ground, and it becomes a serpent. Now, that's impressive. You would think that Pharaoh would have seen that and said, you know what? Uh, that uh, is a miracle. Uh, whatever you guys want, uh, here's a blank check. Uh, do whatever you want to do. But Pharaoh doesn't do that. The Bible says he turns and he calls his sorcerers. And they come in and they see what Moses did. Uh, and they take their rods, throw them on the ground. And it also becomes a serpent. So Pharaoh's unimpressed. Why do I have to listen to you when my sorcerers can do what you do? The Bible says that from that point, uh, Moses and Aaron return to God. And God says, now I want you to take your staff and I want you to dip it in the Nile River. And the river will turn to blood. 
And then Pharaoh is going to see that uh, you're from God uh, and he is going to yield to what you want him to do. But the Bible says that Pharaoh calls in his sorcerers and guess what? They're able to turn water into blood. And once again, Pharaoh's attitude is, uh, why do I have to listen to you uh, when my sorcerers uh, can do the same thing that you can do? Uh, and his heart grows harder because he doesn't see any reason to obey God, uh, listen to God's word, do God's will, uh, because he has found an alternative source of power, his sorcerers. And I want you to understand that this happens uh, for time's sake. We didn't go a little further, but the Bible says Moses and Aaron conjure up frogs to cover the land of Egypt. And again, Pharaoh turns to his sorcerers uh, and they are also able to conjure up frogs. Uh, and so you begin to see a little pattern here, church. And that pattern is uh, that Pharaoh says, uh, I don't have to listen to you because I have sorcerers that can provide for me the same things that you can provide. And because of that, Pharaoh's rebellion is reinforced and he decides he has no interest in doing the will of God. The Bible says his heart was not moved. Now, I want you to consider that picture now in our generation. I want to talk to you about sorcery in our society. Now, I know when I mention sorcery, um, we tend to think um, of, uh, of uh, a pointed hat or a broom or a little chubby kid with round glasses or something like that. But when I talk about sorcery, I'm, getting, I'm using the Bible uh, as my source and not Hollywood. Amen. The Bible says it's sorcery. It's the Greek word pharmakia. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? It's where we get our word pharmacy from. And it comes from the idea that the ancients uh, used to say, believe, and they still do, uh, that they could make magic potions and concoctions, uh, that they could give those to people, uh, and it would affect their personality. Uh, they could control people this way, um, that their spirits could enter people by partaking of these drugs, um, and uh, these people believed in this. And I want you to consider this tonight. And, you know, let's understand, I'm not anti-medication this evening. Okay? I am not a Scientologist. I'm not a Jehovah's Witness, thank God. I have no problem with going to the doctor. Uh, I've got to confess that uh, in my pocket, I've got some cough drops right now here. And so I am not against medication. Um, if you go to Taco Bell, we want you to take Pepto-Bismol. Amen. So... I don't want you to think that somehow from this sermon that I'm against medication, but this is what I, what, but I, I do want to expose tonight that we are living in a world much like in Pharaoh's day where many, many people, when they begin to suffer particularly emotional problems, they used to turn to the church, they used to seek counsel from a pastor, they used to pray, and they believed that when it came to emotional issues, uh, that the answer was held in God and in God's word. If I was lonely, if I was scared, if I was depressed, if I was anxious, I would go to the Bible, uh, and I would find answers. But I want to tell you that modern man, much like Pharaoh, is no longer looking to God for the solutions of the, of the deepest needs of his heart. He's no longer looking to the church. He's no longer crying out to God, uh, but when he has problems like Pharaoh, uh, he turns to the modern-day sorcerer that says, hey, we can meet that need in your life. You don't have to get it in God. 
What are we talking about? Let's talk about a few drugs tonight. How about anxiety? Jesus said, be a, do not worry. Over and over again, don't worry. The apostle Paul says, be anxious for nothing. Jesus, after all, is the prince of peace. And for 2,000 years, when men were anxious in their soul, they would go and they would cry out to God. They would seek help. They would find solace in God's word uh, and say, Lord, you are Jehovah Shalom. You are the God, our peace. Uh, and I need you to bring peace into my spirit because I'm anxious or I'm worried. I'm unsettled. But how many know today men aren't crying out to God? They're crying out for Xanax. And how many people have to take anti-anxiety medication I'm not going to belabor you with all the facts that I have in front of me uh, of how many people are participating in this. Uh, but I want to tell you there's a reason why there's a Walgreens on every corner. It is not because the eggs are cheap tonight. They are in every corner in our city uh, because people are anxious. Uh, they're agitated in their spirit. Uh, and they used to go looking to God, but now they go find a pill in order to feel better. What about depression tonight? The Bible says the joy of the Lord is my strength. With joy we draw waters from the wells of our salvation. The Bible says Paul, no less, uh, sitting in a prison in Rome, says rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. And yet here we are today. People are miserable. They're depressed. Um, and so they take Prozac and Zoloft. And they've got their happy pills. And they can't get through the day. And it would utterly shock you how many of your coworkers, uh, they're nice, polite people, uh, you would never guess, uh, but they cannot get through the day uh, without their pill. And the idea that they would turn to God and there would be a moral uh, dimension as God would deal with them about doing his will. And like Pharaoh, I don't have to do God's will. I can get help right here. What about hyperactivity? The Bible says the fruit of the spirit is self-control. Foolishness is bound in the heart of the child and the rod of correction shall drive it far from him. Amen. Every once in a while, people will come to me and say, Pastor Ruby, uh, uh, can you lay hands on our child because they're misbehaving? Uh, I've, I've, you know what? You lay hands on your child and I'll show you where you ought to lay hands on them. I believe in spanking tonight. I believe in disciplining your children. I know they're angels in front of you, but they're not always angels. Sometimes they are misbehaving. And the reality is that in today's society, particularly with working moms, they don't have time to mess with that, and so it's riddling. And the newest drug that they're not using now, there's another one that they're using that's even more popular tonight. That people are giving their children pills to calm them down, literally what these pills do is they take your child over the top of the mountain and to come crashing down the other side. That's what they're designed to do. And what they do is they're telling people, you know what, this is how you're going to do it. And many a single mother 
tormented and guilty because that little boy doesn't have a, a, a father figure in her life. Uh, they'll bring him to school and they'll tell the mother, uh, you know, little Johnny's such a wonderful, bright boy, uh, but he has a hard time paying attention. Uh, and we think that this medication will help him concentrate. Uh, and who knows what little Johnny can be. Uh, the mother already feels guilty. Uh, she believes uh, somehow that principals and teachers are doctors uh, and listens to them um, and teaches her little boy. Uh, that taking a pill is what you need whenever you get a little worked up. She educates them. What the mama doesn't know is that schools get more money from the government for every kid they have on drugs. You can take a pill for everything. I remember listening on the radio and they said that, uh, you know, there's this couple worried because their son isn't getting any taller. And they said, well, we've got this pill. And I'm like, where was that when I was growing up? I heard this one. I heard this, this commercial on the radio where these two, you, these people are talking and you hear this dog barking and ruff, 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 ruff in the background. And like, why doesn't that dog shut up? We can't calm him down. And boom, we have a pill. And this pill is for dogs that are hyperactive dogs. When I heard that, I had this vision. Being in an alley and a bunch of dogs there all tatted up, you know. <laughs> what was your story? Well, my bro, my master got me hooked on it, you know. <laughs> because today the world believes a pill can give you whatever you want. Because there's telling us that the issues that begin to, the turmoil of the human soul that was designed to lead men to God, we don't even think about God anymore. We run off to the doctor, uh, and most doctors are lazy. They don't even want to mess around with you. And uh, you come in with a, a bloody nose, uh, and they're going to write you a prescription. I want to talk to you about side effects tonight. Because when you begin to mess with sorcery, there are side effects. Now, if you know the Bible, you know that his sorcerers aren't helping Pharaoh. That because he has decided to go down this path, it is going to lead him into bondage. And just like these girls saying, uh, he is going to end up shackled. He is going to get into deeper and deeper rebellion. And before it's over, death is going to visit his home. All because rather than listen to God, he listened to his sorcerers. When you get involved with sorcery, you are dealing with a malevolent spirit. What I mean by that, it's something that wants to do you harm. When you go down the road of witchcraft, whether it's uh, psychotropic drugs um, or it's on the west side, uh, when you begin to move down that road, you are going down a dark path. You know what they tell people who take psych drugs? If you get off them, you're going to be worse. I'm going to tell you something. If you are taking a drug that if you get off, you're going to be worse, you are in bondage. That's called a chain. Very interesting. In the New Testament, there's a mention of this story that we're reading in the Old Testament. The Apostle Paul wrote to Timothy and said, As Janus and Jambres resisted Moses, so do these also resisted truth. Men of corrupt minds disapproved concerning the faith but they will progress no further for their folly will be manifest to all as theirs also was. So, so here's a New Testament church in Ephesus 
and they're having some rebellion, some things are going on in the church, and the apostle Paul reaches all the way back to Exodus 7 to this story and says this is what happened back in Moses' day. Because what we're talking about is a present spirit, folks. This isn't just a history lesson. The witchcraft and sorcery is real. And he says that uh, that same thing was operating. And what makes this even more interesting is he actually gives the names of these sorcerers. You know, in the Old Testament, it doesn't tell us their names. But Paul said they were named Janus and Jambres. And it's interesting, I was researching how Paul would have known their names. And the reason why is that this story of Moses and Aaron and Pharaoh and the sorcerers was a story that the Jews repeated in their oral history. And as they told this story over and over again, um, and wanting to fill in the blanks, um, it was the Jews who gave these men their names, Janus and Jambres, because they wanted to help people appreciate what was really happening. The name Janus means seduction, and the name Jambres means rebellion. And so when they begin to describe these sorcerers, they say that what they use is seduction and then rebellion. That sorcery uh, lures you in with promises. Uh, we're going to meet your need. Uh, we're going to take care of that anxiety. We're going to deal with your depression. Uh, but something begins to change uh, in the person. Something begins to happen to them. I remember many years ago, there was a girl that was in our church this girl got involved with a new convert. If you're a, a, a single girl here, listen to me. The last thing you want to do is get involved with a brand new Christian. Well, you don't allow that man to establish his own relationship with God. Okay, you will ruin him. And I remember telling this girl, you need to back off, let this guy serve God. And she backed off just long enough. Uh, and the moment uh, uh, he had finished his time, uh, they started up and they eventually got married. Uh, and not long after they got married, the guy backslid. I remember when she came crying to my wife and I about how she should have listened to us. Anyway, that's a lesson for another day. But she began to have problems. One day, I remember I was after service and I talked to people in the front and she came up to me and she was beginning to have anxiety and she said, I just want you to know I'm, gonna, I'm getting on anxiety meds. And so I was like, you know, sis, you're an adult, it's your call, but I'm telling you that you don't want to tamper with the realm of your emotions and your spirit. Because these drugs, all they do is they turn stuff off. That's all they do, they just disconnect little wires in your brain. And you need to be careful you know, it was interesting, and this is purely anecdotal, but, but something happened to this girl when she began to get on those pills. She changed and eventually absolutely blew up her marriage, absolutely devastated it. It was, a, it was a very tragic thing. We didn't see her for about five years. One Sunday night, we're in church, and she shows up, and afterwards, Yolanda and I sit down and talk to her, she probably weighs maybe 80 pounds at the time. She's agitated. She has all kinds of nervous twitches. She's scared. The man she's involved in, she's trying to break it off, and he's threatening to kill her. And, I mean, it's just a very pathetic situation. And I remember as we were talking to her, thinking about that conversation where she told me, I'm going to start taking these drugs, and I'm like, you need to be careful. 
Because when you start down this road, you don't understand the side effects. And I want to tell you, there are very, very real side effects when it comes to this kind of thing. I'm going to ask you to indulge me for a minute here. So I'm going to read something that's kind of long, but this is true. And this is something that unfortunately is not widely known, and I'm going to tell you why in just a minute. It says, from Columbine to Virginia Tech, every time another headline-making mass murder is discovered to have taken antidepressants or other psychiatric drugs, rumors and speculation abound regarding the possible connection between the medications and the violence. Andrea Yates, in one of the most heartbreaking crimes in modern history, drowned all five of her children aged seven years down the six months in a bathtub, uh, insisting inner voices commanded her to kill her kids. She had been taking the antidepressant Effexor. Columbine mass killer Eric Harris was taking the widely prescribed antidepressant Luvox when he and fellow student Dylan Klebold went on a hellish school shooting rampage, killing 12 students and a teacher and wounding 24 others. Authorities investigating Cho Swing Hui, who murdered 32 at Virginia Tech, found prescription drugs for the treatment of psychological problems uh, among his possessions. Patrick Purdy, in 1989, schoolyard shooting, shooting rampage in Stockton, California, uh, used a semi-automatic weapon. Uh, the 25-year-old Purdy murdered five children and wounded 30, and he had been an amitriptyline. Let me stop there. I was preaching this sermon in... Cape Cod, Massachusetts, a few years ago, and I read this. Um, after the service, a woman came up to me and said, my son has migraine headaches, and we went in, and the doctor just prescribed him amitriptyline. So you think about that. Kip Kinkle, 15, murdered his parents in 1998. The next day, went to his school in Springfield, Oregon, opened fire on his classmates, killing two and wounding 22. He had been prescribed Prozac and Ritalin. 14-year-old Michael Carneal, the son of a prominent attorney, traveled to Heath High School, started shooting students in a prayer meeting taking place in the school's lobby. Uh, he was on Ritalin. And the thing is, I could go on and on. Paxil, listen to what Paxil says on its own warnings for side effects. Uh, it includes mania, insomnia, anxiety, agitation, confusion, amnesia, depression, Paranoid reaction, psychosis, hostility, delirium, hallucinations, abnormal thinking, depersonalization, and lack of emotion. Effexor, on its own website, uh, says uh, that the risk of suicidal thinking and behavior in children, teens, and young adults, depression, certain other psychiatric disorders are themselves associated with the increases in the risk of suicide. Uh, and it goes on and on and on this evening. I was preaching this sermon in Sydney, Australia a couple of years ago. After the service, a woman came up to me. It was Sunday night. She said to me that two weeks earlier, her, she had suffered a death in her family, and she was feeling very bad. This woman works in the court systems in Sydney. She's a high court official. And she said that everybody on her job began to encourage her, why don't you go to the doctor? He's going to give you something. You need to get on an antidepressant. It's so uh, mainstream now. And so even though this woman was a Christian for many years, she thought, I'm going to try it. She said, I got the pills. And for the first few days, I only would take half a pill because I was scared because I'm a Christian and I know I'm not supposed to do it. 
She said it didn't seem to have an effect, so I decided uh, that I would take the pills, one pill a day, a whole pill. And she said I took those pills for like four or five days. And she said, it's like I realized, no, I don't want to take drugs. I don't, I'm, I, I'm a Christian. I believe God can help me. So that Friday... Before the revival, she said no more, and she stopped taking the drugs. She'd only taken a pill a day for, I believe, one week. So on the Saturday night, we had a, a, like a rally that Saturday night. She said, I came to the service. After the service, she said, I was driving home, and I began to have, for the first time in my life, intense suicidal thoughts. She said, it was like there was a voice telling me to drive my car into uh, one of the pillars on the side of the road. She said, I felt like I had to fight myself just to go home. She said, I pull into my garage um, and I'm sitting there and I'm just trying to get a handle on myself. And she says, I, there's this voice telling me, just leave the car on and go to sleep. And she said, I had to drag myself into the house. Uh, said, Pastor, I've never had a suicidal thought in my life. Uh, but it felt it's like everything in me was telling him to kill myself. She came back to church. The next night, I preached a sermon. And she came up to me. Uh, and she wanted prayer. And she made the statement, uh, you must preach this everywhere you go. You know how I many young men have come to me? I think of three offhand where I've preached a sermon have come to me and they're between the ages of 28 and 35, all three of them, same story, single mom, seven or eight years old. I was started on Ritalin and then he said uh, uh, that uh, by the time I'm 12 and 13, I'm selling my Ritalin pills on the black market and I'm getting better, bigger pills and all three went into heavy drug addiction uh, and were saved. They were serving God uh, and said exactly well, that was the story of my life. And I want to tell you, folks, people don't talk about it. Why is it that within 24 hours of Adam Lanza doing this horrible school shooting in Newtown, Connecticut, that we knew what guns he used, but to this day, they won't tell you what drugs he was on? When James Holmes went into that theater in Colorado and opened fire, within 24 hours, every major pharmaceutical company in America had men on the ground making sure that their drug wasn't associated with that shooter. If you have a TV and you watch commercials, count how many drug commercials you see on TV. It can be for stomach issues or any number of issues, uh, but they are the, one of the major purchaser along with a couple of others uh, of uh, advertising uh, on American television uh, you're not going to hear this stuff they're not going to know, you know with all the exposés they will never do an expose on this because uh, they got too many ad dollars from these people but we are this is what we're looking at every time you hear about a shooter you have to ask yourself a is this a child of divorce is he a gamer and was he on drugs You go down this path, I'm telling you, it's a dreary, dreary path. Saul turns to a witch, and he ends up committing suicide. Asa, the Bible says, is sick, and he turns to the sorcerers, uh, and uh, he is destroyed. Marijuana is a gateway drug tonight, folks. 
Now, we're here in the great state of Texas. You ought to thank God you don't live in Colorado. I think I'd be afraid to get on the road and drive in Colorado right now. Arizona, I was just there. They now have medical marijuana. Medical marijuana sounds like a skit from an old Cheech and Chong album. And yet here we are today. It's interesting that you read about sorcery in the book of Revelation three different times. That this is a last days phenomenon. We are living in a time where more and more people are drugged out. Things are turned or willfully turned, disconnecting parts of their brain. They're just turning certain things off in there and, and, and don't understand where is this taking us. Let me close and talk about the power of God tonight and then we'll pray because God wants to help some people here. You know what's interesting in this story between Moses and the sorcerers? Moses throws down his rod. They throw down their rod. It turns into a serpent. Moses turns water into blood. They turn water into blood. Moses conjures up frogs, uh, and they conjure up frogs. Uh, but you know the fourth miracle that Moses did, they couldn't match. It finally stopped. They couldn't keep up. Uh, do you know what the next miracle was? He turned dust into lice. Cooties. Piojos. Tiny little lice. Now, I hope you don't reach and say, look, pastor, you know, you know, hopefully you don't do that tonight. They couldn't make lice. Or the idea is uh, sorcerers can't do what God does. Can you say man? Moses' rod swallowed their rod. And the idea that, oh, no, no, I, 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 no, thank you. I, I'm going to go get a prescription. I'm telling you, uh, they can't do what God can do tonight. And not only that, there's another lesson here. You and I that are saved and filled with the Holy Ghost must stop and, like prophets of God, stand in this generation uh, and declare uh, that there's a miracle-working God uh, who can still give you peace, uh, who can still give you joy, uh, that can still help you raise your children. Can you say amen? And that you don't have to look to drugs to do these things. The Bible tells us one night Pharaoh has a dream. And in his dream he sees fat cows in a river and some skinny cows come out of the river and eat the fat cows but they're still skinny. And the dream happens twice and it's so real that Pharaoh knows that God's trying to send him a message. And the Bible says that he turns to his sorcerers and they cannot give him an answer. And his butler remembers that in jail he had met a man who interprets dreams, and they go and they get Joseph, and they bring him before Pharaoh, uh, and he stands there in contrast to these sorcerers and says, there's a God in heaven that interprets dreams. And I want to tell you, that is what you and I must be. In a world that is looking for answers, that doesn't know what to do, and they're looking up, and they're not getting it, God give us some Josephs that will stand up uh, and say there's still a God in heaven that can meet the deepest longings of your soul. The Bible says that uh, Nebuchadnezzar has a dream and in his dream he sees these images. It is so real. And Nebuchadnezzar calls in his sorcerers and says, okay, I've had this dream and I need you to interpret it for me. And the sorcerer said, well, tell us to dream and we'll interpret it. And I love this because Nebuchadnezzar said, no, no, no. If you guys are really good at what you do, you tell me what I dream and you interpret it. 
And the sorcerers are like, oh, come on now. Nobody can do that. And he says, I'll tell you what, I will give you guys some incentive. If you give me the dream and the interpretation, I will give you all kinds of wealth. Uh, and oh, by the way, if you don't, I'll kill you. And he starts killing them. And the Bible says that Daniel shows up and says, there's a God in heaven that interprets dreams. And, and he says, oh, Nebuchadnezzar, this is what you dreamed. And this is what God says. You know what the problem is today? Is that people look at the church and say, oh, these folks don't got any answers. They're just as depressed and anxious as I am. Hello. God give us Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost Pentecostal Christians that say, you know what, I, 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 I'm, I'm free from all this nonsense. I don't need this. I don't have to live this way. You know, a number of years ago in our church, there was a lady that came in and got saved. She was actually an officer in the uh, United States Army, <coughs> and she got saved. And, you know, she was saved several years. And I remember one day she was talking to us, and she mentioned to us that when she had come into church, God had delivered her from antidepressants. And what's interesting is, you know, I didn't know this lady was on. It was like we were even aware of this. But somehow in getting saved and serving God, it became clear to her, I don't need this anymore. Jesus Christ can meet the deepest longings of my soul. I don't need drugs. And God delivered her. And I remember when she told me that, I thought about it. And I thought, you know what? Drugs are the new cigarettes. You know, when I was first saved back in the day, you'd get people in, you know, and, and they were still struggling with cigarettes, and they'd come, and they'd, you know, you know they had a wad of gum, you know, and uh, all the cologne that Brother Rudy was talking about, you know, trying to mask it, struggling with cigarettes, and God helped them. You know, today the issue isn't cigarettes, amen. Nowadays you can just go up the, up the uh, strip mall here, I guess. The issue is that many people, even Christian people, have drug issues, prescription drug issues. I'm painkillers. I can tell you, I know a story about a, a woman 20 years saved in a church, 20 years saved, got an accident, doctor threw a bunch of pain meds at her. She started getting addicted to pain meds. How do you know you're addicted? Because you hide them. You know why you're addicted? Because you have to go different places to get them. You go doctor shopping or you, you go and if you hear someone had an accident, you go bum a few pills off them. You got a problem. This woman was, in, and, and one day she took some pills, she wasn't right, and she hit somebody and killed them. Christian woman, and she's going, she went to prison. Christian lady. Okay, she wasn't shooting heroin. She was just simply had injuries uh, and became addicted to drugs. Uh, and your body, you know, your, I'll tell you, because I've dealt with this too many times, your body will start lying to you. Your body wants those drugs, and your body will manufacture pain in you just to get it. And you're saying, well, I have a lot of pain, and, and it's your body. These are phantom pains so that you can be bound and destroyed by this. You got to repent from sorcery. Revelation 9, they did not repent of their murder or their sorceries or their fornication or their theft. You have to repent from this tonight. Say, God, I, I'm sorry that I walk the way of the sorcerer rather than walk to you god i repent i want to be free god can deliver you this evening let me just close with one story and we'll we'll finish up here you know folks i wasn't always saved 
And uh, back in the 70s, uh, being the youngest of, of, of five brothers, you know, you get introduced to things. And we, we started getting involved in this <coughs> when I was 12. And for five years, we were involved in this uh, until I got saved. Right after I got saved, only a couple months, my brother Ray and I went to Winslow, Arizona. That's about 300 miles north of Tucson, where I'm from. Because that's my father was from there and a lot of families in this little town, a lot of relatives. And so we went up there one weekend with, with the aim to witness to everybody in our family. We drove around visiting the various aunts and uncles, giving our testimony, telling them what Jesus did, all of our cousins. As we were leaving, the last place we stopped was my cousin Little Ray's house. Little Ray's about 6'2". And we were going to talk to him. Now, he was around our age and... You know, we'd already witnessed to him and stuff, but we stopped in, and when we stopped in to see him, one of his friends was there. And we're like, hey, Little Ray, how you doing? And we sat down. It was Monday morning. And, you know, we started, you know, you know giving our testimony again to Little Ray. But, you know, he's got his friend there. So he wants to, you know, kind of impress his friend and not show that he's convicted so as we're talking he's kind of arguing and then he reaches in his pocket and he pulls out a uh, a joint a blunt whatever y'all call it today he pulls it out and he fires it up takes a long drag you know man i'm a catholic man you know and he's you know I've, you know he's just smoke marijuana and philosophy and uh, and so he's arguing with us um and he's you know mocking blowing the smoke and his friend is laughing and at him and and he just he's not open so my brother ray he's been saved for you know he's the old convert he's been saved like 10 months and he says um all right little ray okay that's cool uh and uh, we're gonna go and they walk us out, we shake hands, we get into Ray's car, we're gonna drive back to Tucson. And we drove up the, the end of the block, and I'll never forget, Ray had this little Honda Civic, and he said, you know what, forget that, and he threw a U-turn, and we drove back to Little Ray's house. We walk up, knock on the door, and my brother Ray says, Little Ray, do you mind if we pray for you before we go? You know, you know it's cloudy in there, marijuana smoke everywhere, and you know, what is he gonna say? He goes, well, I guess it's okay. And then Ray said, says to me, Rich, let's pray. And we, I figured out what he wanted to do. And so right there, we started pacing up and down his living room. And we're just speaking in tongues as loud as we can. We bind Satan. God, don't let little Ray burn in hell. God, you know, we're just, and we're just speaking in tongues and, and having this Holy Ghost prayer meeting in little Ray and his friend. I mean, they're, they're, they're just... You know, they don't know what to make of us. Uh, and after about five minutes of just praying in tongues and asking God not to let Little Ray burn in hell, uh, we go, okay, Little Ray, God bless you, man. We'll see you later. And he's like, you know what we did? We ruined his buzz. That's what we did. <laughs> Amen. Moses' serpent swallowed up the sorcerer's serpent. Because listen, folks, we're not just a bunch of nice religious people here. Amen. We have the Holy Ghost tonight. Amen. We have authority. We got real power. We have real power. Power that's over all the power of the enemy tonight. Let's bow our heads. No one's moving about here just for a minute. 